Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. drink, 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 drink. Welcome to Drinking Bros, kids. We got one last show from L.A. We recorded some others, but uh, some of them went off the rails. One of them is going to be a too drunk to air. We had a we had a girl physically walk out during a show, which is, had never happened before, and we're going to air that. Um, we've also got some exciting guests coming down the pipeline for the next few weeks. Uh, but this one is uh, actually a, an actor by the name of Jesse Merlin. You might remember him from Range 15. Uh, he was in Range 15. He was in Helen Keller versus Nightwolves with us. Um, which is free, by the way, on Amazon Prime if you want to go and check that out. Uh, he's a fantastic actor and a super, super interesting guy. And this is one of our last shows uh, that Jared and I recorded in L.A. And uh, fascinating guy uh, across the board. He's, he's also a, a classically trained opera singer. So you'll get to hear a little bit of that. But first, we got some sponsors who pay for this whole stink wagon to be on the air. And let's get to him, shall we? Uh, at the top, you hear him during every opening song. We're talking about BlackRifleCoffee.com. Black Rifle Coffee is a premium roast-to-order coffee. What that means is they make it right in-house, bag it up, ship it out three days later. Um, if you join their coffee club of the month, which we all have, uh, get dropped off at your doorstep on the same date of the month, and uh, it saves you that trip to Costco. You don't need to, to, to go and buy the, the giant boxes of K-Cups or, or bags anymore. Black Rifle Coffee shipping it right to your doorstep. Two of my favorite blends are the Just Black and the Caffeinated as Fuck. Uh, and their apparel is second to none. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Type in the promo code DRINKINBROS for 20% off. That's a one-time use. Or you can use the, uh, the promo code REVOLUTION for a one-time use of 20% off as well as in Ross Patterson Revolution. Uh, next up, we got StrikeForceEnergy.com. They're our day one homies. Um, we've been with them since the get-go, and we're not leaving anytime soon. They're on for the rest of 2018 as well. Uh, Strike Force Energy has got four tasty flavors: original, make America grape again, orange, and lemon. They got they got boxes of forty, they got boxes of ten, they got a seven fifty milliliter bottle that rests on your your bar top or countertop. You can just boom boom pop a couple squirts in and fucking go. You can kick the can, kids. You don't need the can anymore. It's a tasty tiny little tin pouch. Uh, you can rip it open and uh, squeeze that liquid into any. Other liquid you have. We're talking about beers, waters, liquors, LaCroix, you name it, that's where it goes. Last longer than five hour energy. Go to strikeforceenergy.com. Uh, use the promo code Drinking Bros for 20% off. They also have a subscription of the month club and they ship everywhere in the entire world. Again, strikeforceenergy.com, promo code Drinking Bros for 20% off. Next up, we've got Grill Your Ass Off. Man. Love these guys. Ass-eating season is over. It is time to start seasoning those meats. Um, not talking about your own. Talking about the ones that go on the grill. Uh, these guys, they've got uh, the finest seasonings in the, in the biz. Um, I'm a big fan of this. Uh, I have been before they even signed on as a sponsor. I've been following them on Instagram for a little over a year. Uh, their Instagram is like meat porn. Um, they've also got a YouTube channel to, to, to show you how to... Kind of cook your meats. Um, they also show you some fun recipes. And uh, they're look, they're veteran-owned. So if you're going to get seasonings this summer for all your grill-outs, uh, get them from these guys. Go to grillyourassoff.com. Type in the promo code DRINKINGBROS for 15% off at Grill Your Ass Off. Um, big fan of these guys. Uh, and they also just added some, some new beef jerky to the mix. And uh, I love it, man. It's fucking delightful. So you can get, you can get some jerky off their site as well. Uh, go to grillyourassoff.com or follow them on uh, uh, the interwebs with, with Instagram and whatnot and, and YouTube. And uh, again, promo code DRINKINGBROS, 15% off. Next up, we've got Grenade Soap. Um, they're back, kids. They're back and they're better than ever. Grenade Soap is, uh, look, it's made with real gunpowder, so you know it's good. 
you know you're washing the stink off your body um, with with some soap that has got some motherfucking gunpowder in it. Uh, I love their soap. Soap's like seven bucks, I think, and uh, it's great, lasts forever. And uh, they've got a bunch of uh, manly products uh, for the bathtub for a man. For a motherfucking man. They also get a, a taint scrubber, which is delightful. Um, you can just, well, you can whistle while you work down there, right between your legs. Go to grenadesoap.com. Type in the promo code Drinking Bros. believe that's a 15% off as well there. And uh, they got a bunch of fucking great shit for the bathtub. Big fan of grenadesoap.com. Uh, last but not least, We've got the Caillou app. That's K-A-Y-U. Facebook going down in flames. Um, People are looking for new social media outlets. And uh, this app is free. No strings attached. Uh, It's on your iPhone or your Android. Just type it in and uh, bring it up. What what it is, it's kind of like uh, combines like Tinder and Orbits and and all that shit all in one. And uh, you can see if you want to go split a concert with somebody. Maybe split hotels or tickets or go on a cruise uh, maybe you can't afford it on your own. You can you can meet up there. You can mingle, and of course you can bone. Uh, a lot of people saying they've been boning a lot of chicks in the Fort Bragg area. So good for you. Uh, try it now. It's for free. <clears throat> it's out into the world. It's Caillou, K A Y U. Uh, it's free. And again, the, this was started by uh, is a better known company. Again, started by two uh, Green Berets out of Fort Bragg. Big fan of these guys. Uh, Check out the Caillou app. It's free. So without further ado, live from Los Angeles, we are here with Jesse Merlin. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Drinking Bros. We're here with one of our personal favorites today. Personal Jesse Merlin. Jesse Merlin. And he's got a song for you. La vendetta, oh la vendetta, è un piacere serbato ai saggi, è un piacere serbato ai saggi. <laughs> oh, wow! That is the best oh, opening in Drinking you. Bros history, right there. The best opening. I, so this is how we met. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is Jesse Merlin, um, one, of, one of our favorites. He was oh, in Range you. 15. Um, we he met was in Helen Keller. He was also in Helen Keller. We've done two movies with him. Uh, three. Three, three, yeah. Three, yes, because yes, we started with FDR together. FDR. Yeah. Yes. Well, you've done yes, two. I've done two. With you've him. done two. I've done three. Yes. Um, but you're one of the most talented actors uh, on the planet. Oh, bless and you. And like when you came in and auditioned for FDR, and I, I was reading through your resume, there was close to 40 operas on there. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I didn't know if, if it was real. You know, I think I argued with my agent is like, do you really need a second page on your resume? I think you're the only person who's ever been impressed by that because I have like all the acting and musical theater work. Beyond. And then on the second page is all the opera stuff. And it's funny, that was my life for 10, 11 years. That was my full-time thing. I sang 50, about 50 roles. Uh, a little bit in Europe, mostly, you know, very me- medium-sized regional career here in the United States. But how nice that, uh, that you took it seriously. I remember that we... We, I came in for Werewolf Hitler, and it was on Rosh Hashanah, and it was, yeah. and, and there were, so, and you know, not yeah. everybody wanted to be there. It was a, it was a hilarious set of sides, but it was a little edgy for some people. Yeah. And yeah. I saw yeah. this, I'm just like, it was like, oh, let me add it. My agent called me. I was like, Jesse, I got the role that you were born to play. It's called Werewolf Hitler. And like, and in that moment, you know exactly what your agent thinks of you. Yeah, right? yeah. But, I, but by the way, I never told you this, but because uh, that day there was an emergency casting session. The guy, mm. it, it was. Uh, I had, oh God, this is going to sound fucking ridiculous. I had had another Hitler or two in some other movies that I had written. Um, so there was there was a guy. Pool boy, yeah, yes. right, yeah. So that that guy was probably going to come back and play, come back and play Hitler. So uh, I get a call that he got like CSI or something, and so we had to we had to to cast it. Oh my good fortune! Yeah. Y- yes, yeah. So, anyways, I I'm not Jewish. Had I know nothing of the Jewish religion, nor do I ever pr- pretend to be. I did not know it was Rosh <laughs> So when I got in, they, the casting were like, hey, um, so that list we sent you of people who were coming in, it, it's been cut in half. And I was like, why? And they were like, well, Hollywood is a big Jewish town, obviously. All their agents are Jewish. And they were like, 
you're reading for a role of Hitler on Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. Rush Rush casting on a Friday. Yeah. 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 On the and Sabbath. I was like, yeah. Oh my God. I didn't. I, I didn't know. We were shooting, and all, and I was like, I didn't know. We, I was. We couldn't move the date, and people were there, and all that shit. Um, you came in, destroyed everyone, because it, it's one of those. Did things. you come in with with your with what you ended up playing? More or less, it was one of those things where I was agonizing. I don't think I did, but it's like, do I wear a false mustache? Because I know some people did, and it was. Yes. I mean, one with of the some, voice, some guys but the voice, the voice, and the accent and everything. You came oh, in with that because I speak, you know, coming from opera, I speak a little French, Italian, and German. So I'm just like, okay, how can I work this dialogue so he sounds like he's a pissed off uh, Bavarian guy? You know, yeah. that he's from that part of the country. And, uh, and then uh, the major difference with the actual role is once the mask was on, because, you know, I looked like the dad in Teen Wolf, yeah. I had my eyes and I had my teeth. And that was the whole character. It was like you had to build into the mask. But yeah, it was funny. It was, you know, you, you were get so these. Good. Oh, ble- I, and I remember, I remember, I feel like we connected right away, but it was one of the more memorable casting offices because when you have a bunch of nervous Hitlers pacing around, it's, uh, it's like, oh, okay. This is a, this is kind of a special trip I'm on here. Yeah, <laughs> and, and there was because there was one guy who came in who had sh- he, you could tell he had a mustache and he had shaved it like so it was a real Hitler mustache and I was like oh man that's um, commitment yeah 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 H- hardcore like, <laughs> crazy commitment um, but you crushed and it, oh, you were so you. good that I remember looking turning over the back of your resume and I was like oh, this, this guy's had to have been in like a million movies I was like had to have. And you hadn't, you know, no, been in maybe it was, one it was or Jackass. Two. I had yes. just that year I had I had a cameo in Jackass three because I'd done a bunch of stuff with those guys in the past. Um, but that was my first dramatic role, and uh, and you know, and here we are. Can you believe that's over seven you're years ago? You're speaking to yeah. the gas chamber. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you're speaking to the gas chamber. <laughs> preaching, preaching. Yes, oh, yeah, made oh, the yes, trailer. Yes, yes. Gas chamber. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you were so good, and I was like, I remember turning to casting after you left, and I was like, man. There is so many talented people mm. out here who are not huge stars that deserve to be. And you were one of them. So much so, you were so Thank good in you. that that I personally wrote that part in one of the leads in Helen Keller versus Nightwolves for you to play the brother. Yeah, um, yeah. Didn't have any casting for that. I just said, hey, I wrote this for you. Come and do this. And, and if we ever do Trans Frank, he's definitely going to be my brother. <laughs> Trans Frank, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, and then Range 15 as well. Yeah, where it was it like, was, we've got to find a, a role for Jesse Merlin. Let's, let's with the singing cameo. No, and Helen Keller, I tell you, for those in the greater Ross Patterson and Drinking Bros audience who aren't familiar with it, do yourself a favor and sit down and imbibe whatever your favorite substance is and give it a try because I think it's a masterpiece and I don't think it ever fully found his audience. I, I really think it was Night Wolves. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think yeah, it's a yeah. really One special film. One of the film. funniest nights was on, that premiere. It was on Prime. Yeah, like, yeah. Was that premiere? Free. Like we all got fucked up. That was great. Like yeah. we oh went to a God. giant theater. I didn't that even was know packed. who these guys were. They were they like, were they were drunk and they were dressed as uh, as colonial heroes, yeah. right? <laughs> you, were, you were you were wearing powdered wigs and you were really drunk. And you were like hassling and white makeup. You're hassling the guy on the step and repeat line. He has no idea who you are. And Ross is like, you know, they're starring in the next movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, and so these all these Hollywood reporters and all this shit like, are are, are taking pictures of them dressed as colonials, but like seriously and then. I remember one of the photographers turns and was like, what the fuck are these guys doing? And I was like, and, and, and well, we were in the they voices want. too. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they were in character the whole night and everything. That's so funny. Those premieres are a blast. At, at, yeah. Uh, yeah, at the Vista, we did uh, both Helen Keller and Range 15 there. And I, FDR, yeah, right? And FDR, yeah. I, yeah. I think I've, me told, because what had happened was I had a premiere in 2007 or 8 there, Garden Party. Oh, wow. Um, uh, Jennifer, it was Jennifer Lawrence's first movie. And the, the premiere crap. was there. And... I had never been to that theater before then, and I walked into that theater and I was like, oh my God, this is so gorgeous. And mm. like the last kind of old school Hollywood theater it is left. such a fucking cool theater, too. Such a blast that I was like, man, if yeah, I ever so make fun. my own movies and have, get to choose where my premieres are, it's going to be there. So every premiere I think that I've had, I, I've scheduled there. Cause it's, it's just I a totally blast. I totally see why. We drink, we fucking, people are smoking outside. Like, it's just, it's fun. And we have it at midnight. On a yeah. Friday, yeah. we always do it at midnight on Friday. So we, we do the party bus. Yeah, we, we do the party pre-game. bus. Yeah, <laughs> everybody can come in real fucking loose, have a great time, and then go home and you know enjoy whatever they just saw. Absolutely. And part of why Helen Keller was so special as a premiere is that it was totally free. We just told people just show yeah. up, and so absolutely. it was absolutely packed. Range fifteen. That was more of a media event because you had so many of the backers of the film. People yeah. flew yeah. out who had supported yes. yeah, yeah, the yeah. financing, and that was really special. It was yeah. I, I usually rent it out and then keep it open to the public. That mm-hmm. way, everybody can come and have a good time and walk into something they have no idea about. 
never seen and just enjoy whatever that experience is. Because mm. it's, I, I used to do it back in the day at, at uh, Sunset Five when they had a uh, oh, of course, yeah, independent movies and it was all the best of the best. And like, I would just show up like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, didn't know what I was going to see, mm. look at a poster and say, all right, uh, fuck, I'm going to see this tonight and see how it is. Sometimes it was the best movie I've ever seen. Other times, not so much, but mm. the experience was cool. And that, that's what I tried to do and convey through the rest of it. And it was a fucking blast. Totally. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've, 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 always, I've always enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed your performances. Oh, thank you. Um, thank and, you. and I'm curious like, like about your career. Sure. Um, and, and somebody like you who, who is so talented, mm. um, how, do you, how do you not get bitter about going into 90 auditions and yeah, a fucking question. a week and not getting it's beaten it, down by it. It's one of those. I have to say, I, one of the it was a real turning point for me. Late 2010, when I auditioned for FDR, because right after that, I, I I always like to tell people I'm a very good second choice. So I uh, <laughs> I came in. Um, I was a last minute replacement for a pretty famous actor in Reanimator the Musical, and that ended up being yes. a really big thing for me. That was right after we did FDR, and I, I saw that play. Yeah, you did. And yeah. you were fucking fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I played uh, Dr. Carl Hill. It was Stuart Gordon who directed the movie with the original effects team, adapted it for the stage as this amazing musical, and I played Dr. Hill, so I got decapitated, blood everywhere, and I had to carry my severed head around all night while singing. Kind of a trick. Um, but no, FDR really kind of pushed me. It opened the door to horror to me. And it's interesting. I, I, ha I have a little bit of a theory about this. I think what makes horror so special is that it's one of the last frontiers for kind of unique character actors and talents that don't get a lot of play in mainstream stuff. Right. You know, it's like coming from opera, what you look like doesn't matter. So having to retool yourself for Hollywood where that's about 95% of what matters because for a commercial opera, audition. Or, your, your voice. Like, right. hey, you can sing. You could be a fat man. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I was, you know, you know, even that's controversial now, but like I was wearing fat suits and we were doing, like opera until literally a few years ago was the last art form where blackface was tolerated, right? Like that just changed. Sure. Like yeah. decades after everybody else. So yeah, I was playing all sorts of older characters and heavier characters and in different different parts of the world. Um, but coming here where, where, where what you look like matters often so much more than what you can bring. You know, that's why horror is wonderful. It's a place for unique people and also comedy. But comedy where they reckon... You know, I feel like in a certain way we're on the same wavelength. You know, I, I get I get the tone of what you're trying to do, which is, you know, uh, often, you know, it's it's so irreverent, but at the same time played very straight. And it's what I what I love in really these kind of brilliant offbeat comedies is what I strive for. And what I see is so perfectly exemplified in your work is the is the the combination of erudition and smut you know somewhere between the profane and the sublime you get the sweet spot right, right, it's, right. it's like you've got right it's like it has never been more articulated better than you just said that i'm that's going the to aesthetic, play that right? back over and over again yeah that's totally yeah. the aesthetic it's just like you're gonna have dick and fart jokes on top of an opera aria on top of you know wordplay that would be worthy of you know the great writers of the 20th century you know it's it's like, you know, it, it would, I, I tell you people, never, it will never pay to underestimate Ross Patterson in terms of what he can bring, <laughs> particularly to dialogue and, and to character scenarios. But it is, it, is, it is a little vexing. I'm still navigating my way. I'll, you know, the few things um, for the broader audience outside of horror that might know me, I'm, I'm Fong in Street Fighter V, so I'm kind of like the current boss in the Street Fighter franchise, oh, which dope. is cool. Yeah, What's the voice know, to that? I want to hear it. Like, uh, two minutes, I'll finish you in two minutes. He's this kind of, <laughs> he's this kind of you know, a, a, a little bit of a Ming the Merciless kind of, a, kind of character or a Fu Manchu, very old-fashioned. It's a kind of a... That, that had to be a I, fun know, gig. It was fun. It was fun. And I, I can't talk about it yet, but I'm doing another voice uh, thing next week, uh, working with Ross a little bit and then another friend. Yeah, you so do, you're doing the audiobook for uh, yes. When Darkness Falls, He Doesn't Catch It. I the sequel to so it next to Cries while he rides his steed. I hope you're already getting your gastric Where does juices it pick pumping, up? people. Does it pick up after? Uh, it picks up three years after. So, so it, it your family's dead. Yeah, it continues the story. Uh, mm. new, and then new characters come in. And uh, awesome. without giving it away, we had a bunch of actors in the last one. It crushed on Audible. It was, it's in like the top 10 highest rated uh, Audibles there is. And, it's um, unbelievable. So this one, I was just like, great, I'm going to come back to LA. I'll record it with, with my favorite people and uh, uh, take it even higher than the last one. I just think it's also the way, the collaboration between the, ama the amazing, you know, all, all the military guys and heroes and the companies that you worked with on Range 15 and also your films is that 
is that you understand an audience, I think, that hasn't really been spoken to in terms of comedy and in terms of literature and film, but it's just like, men, men who read books too, you know, it's yeah. like, and men like comedy too. I mean, you, you know. see, there was a giant gap. I mean, mm. you remember like in the late nineties, like movies like Loaded Weapon and oh, yeah. things like that, Dude. like where I, they pushed the Hot Shots part. Yeah, yeah Hot Shots, exactly. all Loaded Weapon. Yeah. And they and all then, made money. And then they stopped. Right. And, and it was kind of like, I kind of think like, scary movie mm. like kind of ruined it for that like that like oh, like the scary movie series and there was another one like not another teen movie like that kind of busted that slapstick comedy to where those didn't do well so people stopped funding well i not a not another teen movie did okay the scary movies they did 90 of them and it's like that's yeah, gonna after mm, the first two that's, like it's that's over. gonna die out i i just uh after that in that that vein of comedy the the, the wayans brothers took over Mm. So they were doing all of those movies. Um, Legally Blonde. Or, yeah. I mean, uh, all, all that shit. Um, and just second generation from SNL stuff, you know? Yeah. It and it, like, it just. Uh, but it wasn't Airplane. It wasn't. No. It wasn't. It was uh, Animal House. Could, you could, know? Yes. Yeah. You need new actors and fresh faces. Mm. Like, I think why a lot of this shit works. Um, somebody like you. They hadn't, they've never seen you before. Mm. So like when you come and do these movies, everybody's like, oh, who the fuck is that guy? He's mm. awesome. That makes it more believable, and you're excited to go on a journey with these characters oh, when you, you don't yeah. know the people. And uh, my my biggest thing today with comedies, because they're not getting hardly getting made at all, yeah, truly, um, is I, I found a- after the election, as we were talking about it before we got on the show, after the election, I feel like everybody is so politically correct on both sides. Yeah, um, truly, yeah. that's you're one thing or or you're not one thing, and, and it's making comedy harder. Because people Never. feel afraid to tell jokes about things. Um, they're not voicing their true opinion. Mm. There is no comedic voices that are fresh, that are cutting through. Like Chappelle came back on Netflix with his two stand-up specials and crushed. And everybody was like, oh my God, oh, Dave is the best. Dave's the best because Dave's telling original shit and he's, he's offending everybody And he's fearless, still. yeah. And he doesn't give a fuck. Right. Um, but he's the only one right. left who's kind of doing that. And it, <laughs> if he wasn't Dave Chappelle, would he be able to get away with that in today's current climate? I don't know. Mm. But it makes me sad that there is no new uh, Borats or, you know. National Lampoon. Uh, know. Yes. You know. Yeah. I, and I just, we watched that movie on uh, Netflix. Isn't it good? Great. Did you oh. watch the, the National Lampoon movie? On, oh, on yeah. My God. Yeah. Well, because remember, I did their, I, it was so, such a strange experience. I did the first and last National Lampoon stage show since 1986. About five years ago, I did a show called Sketches really? from the National Lampoon with Matty Simmons, who was a founder and yeah, publisher. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. brilliant man. He wasn't the writer, but he was the publisher. And, sure. the, and I mean, the man invented the credit card. He's one of the three people who came up with the Diners Club. He was a brilliant man. Um, and it was, it was a funny show. It didn't really hit. The one kid that went out of it, John Milheiser, ended up going to SNL for a year after that. But it was, yeah, that was a really interesting one. But it's funny. I wanted to tell you, I did an interesting... It was like a kind of more theoretical, but it was like a queer horror podcast uh, with Michael Verratti recently called Dead for Filth. And I was, I was, yeah, and I was, I was. Uh, Great title. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And I, uh, and I was talking about your films and I was, you know, not against anyone in particular, but I was defending you in the sense that it's just like, when do we stop getting offended on behalf of other people? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, okay, some people are going to find some of the content in Helen Keller and FDR objectionable. That's fine. But you made two movies in a row with a disabled action hero. Yeah. Who else is, who else is freaking doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it a good thing to have more of that? Yeah. You know, it's Guy just in like, a wheelchair, somebody who's blind. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. And it's like, that's not, that is one characteristic. That's not the entirety of who they are. It's like, we're not just putting them in a special category because of that one thing. They're complete people in addition to that. Yes. You know, and, yeah. and so... Yeah, it, it was interesting. I had uh, I Did had some very. Did he tell you about very... the book that we've been working on? I don't think I know about that. The heterosexual male's guide to homosexual karma sutra. Oh, good yeah. heavens! Yeah, it's yeah. called Homo Yolo. Homo Yolo. <laughs> every page you add another person, and then the last chapter is called House Party. Oh well, you know we should talk about this. I I think you have to have the scissoring flag in there somewhere. Yeah. You know? Yes, yeah. it's like See, you have to your troop we flag. We need consultants. <laughs> no, no. And he's a he's a trusted consultant. Yeah, yeah, easily, yeah. easily. Yeah. Jesse's on the like you know everything. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, you know, it's like... sexually, we've had some conversations <laughs> where it's just like, holy shit, you really know, fi-. like, yeah. 
Uh, oh, I, I feel so vanilla and and uh, and more uh, bourgeois these days. But uh, <laughs> but I'll put it on. I'll put it on for a for a role. You know, it's just like. <laughs> oh God, we really should do. We should do a Fifty Shades of Grey. That's two dudes. Oh, just two dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we ha- we've had a. I don't know if you know this. We've had a uh, a gay motorcycle gang movie that we've mm. wanted to shoot for. Uh, this is three years. Yeah, it's close to two or three years now. Called Two Wheels of Loneliness. It's the first ever uh, like gay motorcycle gang movie. Like motorcycle. But it's shot gang. like a hardcore drama. Oh, wow. Like a lifetime movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like and a they're they're movie. all part of this motorcycle club called the Manholes. The Manholes. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Of yeah. course. Yeah. And uh, um, and, and the they're lead, all. I'm like, pretty sure that was a club in San Francisco at one time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the, the lead character, <laughs> like at the at the beginning of the movie, he he they you know. He joins the club and they're like, you got one more thing to do. And they roll the, di- he's like, you got to roll the dice. I mean, whatever number you roll is how many dudes you have to fuck. So he rolls. <laughs> but after that. But after, so he rolls an 11 on the dice. So he's going to fuck uh, 11 dudes, but he ends up fucking a 12th. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No one said you, you had to fuck the 12th dude. Like you fucked an extra guy. You're gay. You're, you got to get out of here. And he's like, wait, what? Isn't this, a, isn't this an all gay motor? And they were like, no, 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 we're, no we're not no. gay. Just you have to fuck other dudes just to do it, but we're not gay. But clearly, the motorcycle gang is gay. They're all that denying. They're all denying, and it. he's the only gay. one that's open about it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the whole movie. But is... we we've taken a ton of shit for that. Of like, <laughs> you guys can't do this because we want to show like graphic gay sex scenes throughout. God, like like Bruce LeBruce. He's he makes horror movies that have that in the middle of. Oh, them. really? He's a crazy Australian horror filmmaker who's he's like. Periodically arrested by the cops and banned. His movie, uh, L.A. Zombie, is his favorite movie, or his most famous movie. And it's, it's inter, interpolated scenes of hardcore gore and then hardcore sex. It's See, just like no I, one else is making movies like this. Yeah. For that, no, but I mean, like, he no gets raided made, by the cops in countries. No one has ever made like, an action movie that was a good action movie that just had pockets of 15 minutes of hardcore pornography. Of hardcore, of hardcore gay That's sex. So no, yeah. I yeah. mean, it could be both. I wish I could remember the title. Um, a collaborator I work a lot with, David DelVal, is an amazing Hollywood film historian and archivist was really close with Vincent Price and Christopher Lee and Christopher Lee starred in a gay biker serial killer movie in the 70s. What? I don't know if you've ever seen it but he's in all leathers and he's on a bike with a, like a hot little blonde twink in the back and he called up my friend <laughs> and he called up my friend and he said, well you know David I, I picked that boy because I thought you would like him. I thought he'd be your type and so that's how he picked it. It was kind of like Lord Humongous in, uh, okay, in, so in uh, Road Warrior. Here's a question too like I did some research and nobody research. is doing is doing like the Article 15 like comedy thing for the gay community. Mm, truly, like truly. with shirts. Like I want to do shirts that say like "Whiskey Whore," mm. like "Dong Hunter." Like, yeah. Like, do you think there's a market for that? You gotta find it. You know, it's <laughs> well, like there's. You know, it's they, like they, they, you know, they have a big clothing line, obviously. So yeah, like they're yeah, we constantly about searching that, yeah. for new ideas and shit like that to push the. But boundaries it's like nobody it. is doing Nobody's... comedy things like that. Yeah, like, where no it's one. like. Where where it's like swipe right, I'm on grinder or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and you're you're just go you're going for it. It's yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Would, would that sell at all? I don't know. God, you know, I'm so I'm so out of the community myself. I am, um, but that is interesting. It's like what uh, the gay. This is kind of probably an unpopular thing to say. I don't really believe a gay community exists any more than a straight community. It is a group of people who happen to be gay, right? It's sure. like it's a it's a construct. Well, I mean, right? definitely a, now, like it is blended. Now, like, yes. yes. Oh yeah. Ten yeah. years ago, ten, there was ten, segregation. Yeah. Oh, sure. Now there's when not. I, when I moved here, um, well, actually, I'll, I'll start from from NYU because I mm. went to NYU after Ohio State. I was in the the I, I want to say they didn't call it Boys Town because that was what they called West Hollywood, but it was in the East Village, and, oh, yeah, yeah. and it was all gay, mm-hmm. and that was the pocket of like, oh, well, that's where all the gay bars are, that's where all the things are, and it, it felt separated. Mm. And then I moved from New York to L.A., and again, when I was looking at places, they were like, well, West Hollywood is Boys Town, and that's all gay, mm. and it felt separated. Mm. But what I will say to, to Jared's point is, I would say over the last 10 years, you're right. Like it is blended well, everywhere. And nobody, like we did a trip cares. to mm. San Francisco to go to Facebook headquarters, and like oh. we were there for a few days, and like there's a lot of gray area over there. Mm. Like everybody's everybody uses the word partner, and they're all polyamorous, and nobody has sexuality at all. Yeah, it's just whatever I feel like that night. And I mean, they have orgies. <laughs> they have like Silicon Valley's infamous for having yes, orgies now. Yes, somebody blew the lid on that last year and started publishing about yes. it because it's it's. 
and it's interesting. It's it's ambiguous because like people feel pressured to participate to get ahead. You know, it's one of these kind of like, is this the new you know Hollywood? Put drop your key, <laughs> drop your keys in the bowl and put on a mask. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a it's a different time now. But I, I'm what, to his point, like what he was saying about the the t-shirts and things mm. like. Is there no like? Is there no comedic elements you know, like in in the you know in the gay community? There's gotta as be well? like a lot yeah. of bro guys. Like, well, there is. It's not monolithic. I mean, it's like it seems like an un, un, uh, PC example to bring up. But think of Ernst Rome, right? Like there are gay figures that don't fit. You know, he was the head of the brown shirts, sure. right? Like there are there are gay movements on all sides of the political spectrum and in all cultures that don't map to what we think of. In terms of in terms of the you know the dominant culture here in LA and West Hollywood, West Hollywood is an interesting one. The only reason it exists with its is almost like kind of historical redlining. It was unincorporated county land, and it was the only place you could uh, bribe the sheriffs to have bars open without getting raided. Like you couldn't really? bribe the LAPD, but you could bribe the sheriffs. So only in county land, places that weren't cities. Gotcha. And that's way. And that's like historically, that's why they all set up there and in other places outside the LA city limits. Like you, like you see like, these it's just funny because yeah. and i and i always i retort back to this mm. i remember the first season of the x-files like one of the episodes was hinging on a congressman that was being extorted or or like kind of held over his head that he didn't want people to find out that he was gay like and you think mm. about that it was 20 years ago like where it yeah. was that big a deal yeah like mm. yeah. like oh my god i can't let people find out like and now it's like well, you probably would have done better if you would have told him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, uh, to me, uh, like relating back to comedy, it's I, I don't, I don't feel like anybody's even doing anything comedically for 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 gays mm, or mm. any anyone else. Like it feels like everybody's so offended or trying to do everything. Like that's why this movie intrigued me. Like it would be a fucking blast. Two wheels alone. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a fucking blast. Um, I'm very excited, hopefully, about uh, Rescue 16 at some point because I just feel like the way things were set up by the end of that film is like it demands more. The it script demands is more. done, and it has been for a while. It's trying to get all their busy schedules back together. I asked Matt on a separate podcast, on a one-on-one with him, if, if, I, if he thought it would ever get made, and he said yes, probably in a couple of years. What, what, is your, what is your... I mean, I, I would love to. I'm... You know what that hinges on? Mm. The money. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a demand for it yet. Like, we, for, we oh, don't for know. The sequel? Yeah, yeah. I, People have to tell us. Like, yeah, we hear at onesie twosies. Hey, what about Rescue Sixteen? What about yeah, Rescue yeah. Sixteen? Mm, mm. But it's like because like the fire has died down from the movie, and we've all been doing other things. Like, we would have to be reminded that I there hear it is all the fucking time. A demand for it. Yeah, mm. I hear it all the mm. time. Did you get a lot of? Uh, people hitting you up after that movie? I, it was from people who I didn't, I didn't know were watching my work otherwise. You know, I got an email in the middle of the night from an opera singer in London watching it streaming. He'd bought it on Apple, and he's just like, I can't believe you're in this movie. This is so great. And it's just like, it's like you're watching this in London? It's, it's, like, you know, it's literally my response every time somebody asks me, like, like, I, I had a, uh, a flight attendant on a Delta flight. I was like, were you in a really obscure zombie movie? And I was like, yeah, why would you watch that? Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't that obscure uh, for for an independent film. I mean, that it, it look, it was the probably the, it was the top performing independent film of 2016. Mm. Um, but uh, if these days it feels like if it's not on Netflix, it doesn't it doesn't count anymore. Whereas oh, that's true. Back before. If you were on Netflix, it was like, oh, you went straight to Netflix, huh? Right, it's a kiss Sorry. of death. Dead serious. Everybody I, was it's like, funny. Let me pitch just it's the one thing I, one major thing I have on Netflix right now. I'm pretty proud of this because I went to festivals where they got a movie called Beyond the Gates. That's, oh, is uh, that on Netflix now? It is. It is on Netflix and did other. Did I have other films by that? They did it, for for distribution. Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's a haunted VHS video board game opening the Hellgate to another dimension kind of movie. Really, this sounds cool. Yeah, yeah it yeah, is fun, yeah. and I play Vincent Price, kind of you know sinister curio shop owner. Um, it did well. We, I went to a festival in London, and so we, we got international with it. And um, hopefully we'll be making a sequel to that later this year. Uh, Barbara Crampton from Reanimator, she's our, our star in it. And uh, so that was nice, and that kind of brought me a little bit more out into the, the horror audience. And I got another one coming out called uh, All the Creatures Were Stirring. Chris, Christmas horror is kind of a thing right now. Christmas really? horror anthology movies. Yeah, that's another thing about horror, too. So that's, that's coming out. It's hitting festivals right now. Yeah, but Krampus didn't do well. Well, but there were like three Krampus movies that came out at the same time. And yeah. it's just like, and, and, and the, 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 that one came out on one Christmas out Day, and it was like, Death on Christmas who, Day. Yeah, who releases and, a movie on Christmas Day? That, that, that's the tough part of it. So, like, 
I think they had a really bad release time. With yeah, I didn't yeah, see yeah. the movie. It could have been shit, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know who else had a bad release time? Was, yeah. uh, uh, tomorrow. The, the one with Tom Cruise, the, where he keeps repeating. Oh, the, Tomorrowland or yeah, uh, live, oh, yes. repeat. Well, they like, changed the nobody name. Nobody knows what the fucking name is. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Cause the real name but was something else. They, um, they uh, live, die, repeat was the original name. And then they ended up doing that on the DVD. But uh, uh, but they released like day the after same tomorrow day or, yeah, of like uh, Transformers. Oh, and I was God. like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. I, it's but there's nothing you can do. Sometimes you're trying to counter program mm. against other movies, and uh, and that's just that's just how it is. It's um, it's funny you mentioned that we've got. Uh, um, I'm I'm hoping later this year. I don't want to scoop it, but I think the reanimated musical soundtrack will be coming out later this year, which we recorded two years ago. I'm very excited about. It. George Went is our one of our star actors in that. He uh, was but, uh, Norman Shears. By yeah, the way. yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, you're you were amazing in that play, and like the for for those of you who don't know reanimated the musical, mm. your your fans for that were fucking diehards. Oh, like when I went and crazy. saw you that night, there was people that were coming back for like their tenth or twelfth times. And there's a like splashdown rose. Yeah, yeah. We have to wear uh, plastic because there's so much blood that shoots out of the audience. Yeah, we have a splash zone where we just yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And people yeah. line up for those seats. No, it was fun. We did it in Europe. We did it in Vegas last, and also New I, they had a picture of my severed head in the New York Times with a rave, and they love to sharpen the knives for LA shows. So it was a big deal. Still hoping to get a long run. You know, the only way you can really make money in theaters is if you run a long time. It takes about a year and a half to make your investment back. So you've got to run forever. Uh, but we're kind of racing. Somebody, it's funny, the source story, because it's Lovecraft, is public domain. And someone ah. else is trying to do their own reanimator musical in yeah. London that's totally unrelated. But it's like, you wouldn't be calling it reanimator if it weren't for the movie. That's not even the name of the story. Exactly. You know? It's like, so we're hustling to get our brand out there. Uh, but, a, lo a lot of people do that. And, and studios do that a lot. Like they'll oh, look yeah. for public domain, you know, Moby Dick, uh, all that shit and try to because they don't have to, they don't have to buy the rights from anybody naturally yeah. naturally what, what's 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 your dream like in your in, in your world as an mm. actor what is your end all be all dream did you move here to say i want to i want to win an oscar oh <laughs> i want to be a working actor i want to be on a tv show and win an emmy i want to do comedy i want to do drama it's funny you you mentioned winning an Oscar. Um, I'm I'm all about the work. Uh, thank you. That's a that's a that's a very interesting question. I I've never been too fond of Oscars just because people don't know this. If you look at the real history, it was a union busting thing. It was all it was an attempt in the 20s to prevent the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild from incorporating. It was trying to it was trying to keep people in the conditions they were really? working. Really, I didn't yeah. know that. Actually, it, the producers were like, Oh no no, you don't need these unions. Take this little statuette. It was like at the time it was a very political thing. So that's the long-term history of it. No, I was born here. Uh, you know, I'm an old showbiz family. My great-grandmother toured with Sarah Bernhardt in the 1890s. Like, she was like a baby Jane as a child star. Really? My grandparents were major writers in radio, film, and television. My grandfather was a blacklisted union president uh, just because he wouldn't name names when he had to testify in front of HUAC in, in the late 40s. And so he couldn't write under his own name for eight years. And my dad is a construction boss in television. My mother was a Broadway child star. So I come from, I never had a chance, right? I had to, I was going to end up in some form of entertainment. Sure. Um, the, the dream is, uh, is, is, to is consistent and meaningful work. You know, it's like um, money, accolades has never been that meaningful to me. Like part of like, none of us got rich making a brilliant small budget comedy, but we made a thing of beauty. We made something meaningful that we can all be proud of you know yeah. it's like um i would like to reach a larger audience you know that's one thing and hopefully we'll see maybe later this year but uh, continue to reach a larger audience in in video games and things like that where what you look like doesn't necessarily matter as much um where where it's really just prima la voce where it's just you know first the voice um yeah i'd like to work more in film and television uh, and like there's more stuff coming i did it this is something you would like. It's a pity it's on YouTube Red, so only their subscribers ever saw it. Another Christmas horror I saw that we made for Blumhouse. It was fantastic. It was uh, called I, I, 12 I Deadly Days. Blum. Did you have fun with it? Did you have fun I with didn't it? interact with him. I'd be interested to have that conversation. Were you, were you nervous, too? Um, well, you know, Blumhouse is like the big player in town. You want to get yeah. your foot in the door with you want to get has, your foot in the door with him here in L.A. He has, uh, he's the only one in town, to my knowledge, who has a guaranteed five pictures a year mm. on on the slate that have to be released? So no matter what, <laughs> he has five movies that will be out in theaters for a major wide release of twenty five hundred plus screens, mm. um, and he just seems can continue to knock it out of the park. Insidious is all his. Uh, is it Saul? Saul. Saul. That's yeah. all his. Was it Paranormal Activity? Uh, get Out was his. Right. Um, right. I mean, it's his. So there's like ten of those for every gem in the holograms, right? I, like he I, makes I, a lot of. 
Yeah, and I, I worked with him. I did one of his first movies, and he's a fucking hustler. He oh, was no. able so to, smart. Yeah. It was this independent film we did, and uh, it, it got into Sundance. But he, I mean, it was literally like 35 celebrities of like the hugest names of all time that he put in this movie. And I was just like, fuck, how did this guy do this? He's just a hustler. And like, he's, he's one of the, the few people I can say who deserves all of his success. Because mm. that motherfucker's been grinding for a while. Don't you? And you've, you've seen his production office, right? It's, a, it's an electrical van, right? Yeah. He drives around <laughs> in a nondescript electrical van. It's like Blum Electrical Works. Yeah. And that's like, and that's just where he works out of when he's on the road. <laughs> and the deal is, because like the, the movies are low budget, so you're not going to get paid a crazy ton, but he's loyal. So if you do a fucking awesome job and don't bitch, He's going right. to put you in all of yeah. the rest of them. And he, he did it with Lynn. Lynn Shea, who's oh, been in she's doing all really of her movies. She, dude, she's in every single one of those. And like, uh, it, great dude. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping I, I that would be more for anthology television. I know they're developing yeah, something here, right man. now. Same, because yeah. like, they did this one with YouTube Red and ended up being really good with amazing people in it. You know, with Bill Mosley and Johnny Kassir and all these great horror icons. And I had a great starring role in an episode. I played the homicidal elf leader of a Christmas suicide cult. <laughs> uh, which was which is like right typical typecasting right and it was really good but it's like you can only see it on YouTube Red it's um uh, it was called Twelve Deadly Days uh, really great anthology stuff um, but no he's found the formula like why roll the dice on one ten million dollar movie when you can make five two million dollar movies yeah. you know yeah it's just like and give more people a chance. And, yeah. and one thing that's something like and I hope we can bring you back to maybe a hard horror or horror comedy again is like. Compared to other things, horror is one of those few genres where you can consistently make money if you keep the budget at a certain level. At a certain level, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that would be fun. It would. And and (laughs) I will say this. like I've been hired, fuck, man, maybe six or seven times to write horror scripts. Mm. Um, I mean, strictly horror, no comedy. So they're out there. Uh, They just didn't get made. Um, You know, I get paid as a writer, but uh, they they exist. They're out in the world. And uh, uh, I don't know. I, I have a feeling like... There's some of those scripts that they'll call in a few years and be like, hey, man, do you still have that one thing? Because I still get those calls, too, for comedies um, where it's like, hey, man, do you still have this thing? Uh, Like I get a call maybe two months ago for a movie called Searching for Sajak. (laughs) I I had written a movie in 2003 or four about uh, and I sold it uh, to Fox uh, that involved a kid who was writing a term paper to graduate college. And uh, he was never allowed to watch Wheel of Fortune growing up. Cut to, uh, he turns in his paper and the professor's like, go home. Uh, this needs more work. And he finds mm. an old VHS tape of his mom and dad on an episode of Wheel of Fortune. And the birth certificate doesn't match up. Pat is hitting on her. And he thinks that Pat Sajax is dead. Oh, So they have to go cross country. It feels a little <laughs> like road trip uh, where they've got it. He goes with his buddies cross country to get on the college Wheel of Fortune so he can meet Pat Sajak and ask him if he is the father. And then obviously they go through all these pitfalls and all this other shit. Um, <laughs> but so funny. we sold it, got, I mean, everything oh, ready to go. And, and Pat Sajak said no oh. at the very end. And I was like, he had a production company and all this shit. And his answer was, oh. I, I wanted to do more things than just host Wheel of Fortune. And I still think that, that, I, that that's going to happen. Um, mm. It was, it's been 12 years or whatever. It's, it's, that's not the case. And uh, I get a call literally you know, two months ago. Hey, man, do you still have that script? Do you care if I try to get Pat again? And I was like, you know what? Feel, feel free. You, you go go <laughs> ahead free. and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. tilt at that windmill. You know, it's like, yeah. Oh, but that would be great. I wanted to share one funny story. It just occurred to me. I listened to a nice podcast interview, a review of my film, Beyond the Gates. And they go, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy, Jesse Miller, he's really, he's really good in this movie. And I oh, he was so great crapping in that vase and crapping in that vase in FDR American Badass. And I just had a <laughs> face palm. And it's like, that is a funny scene. He's a funny actor. But I was Werewolf Hitler and I was not, the guy I was not James the Roosevelt yeah. shitting in the vase. <laughs> and when we were shooting the diner scene for Helen Keller versus Nightwolves, I didn't know that I was surrounded by America's greatest Jared, heroes. Jared, and Jared was, yeah. Yeah, no, that. it was Jared and it was and, Matt, and, Rocco, and, and Vin, yeah, yeah, Rocco and Matt were there. And I think it was you. And yes. somebody was just like, oh, you're so great crapping in that vase. And you know, I get my little, like, who are these guys? I'm just, I was Werewolf Hitler. And, and Matt, <laughs> Matt punches him hard. He's like, you fucking idiot. He's like, that's Werewolf Hitler. You know that. And it's just like, and I'm just like, who are these? Who, where, who are these bearded maniacs that I haven't met before? And of course, I end, ended up being my favorite people on the planet. You know? <laughs> and the beauty is you know? they show up with a bottle or two bottles of Jameson. Yeah. And 
I, and I said, hey, and they were like, hey, is it, is it cool to drink? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's my set. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, right. People, people smoke weed in the trailers and the parking lots, all this shit. I don't give a fuck. Just do your job. And, and my only advice to you guys was I was like, hey, man, it's a really long day. Um, so if you start getting hammered, like, <laughs> watch out. It's 12 hours. You're, you're there for 12 hours yeah. on set in a diner. Uh, you were the only one who made it. Uh, Rocco and Matt were like, I mean, exhausted. By I mean, just <laughs> spent by the end of it. And uh, I knew your passion for filmmaking at the end of it. Because like you were there to like the. the very, oh, he's he's a natural. He's, you I mean, stayed so after obvious. Oh, yeah. got cut. And we're, 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 we're watching Richard Real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it was, and I should have seen that. Like looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, this guy's gonna make a movie. These guys are gonna go make their own <laughs> yeah. movie. And I, I look, I, I, I'm, I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but like, I, I took a lot of shit for making Range 15. Um, and hmm. like to to this day, like they thought the script was too aggressive. Uh, they didn't like the stance on like two A and and a bunch of shit in the script. And uh, to this day, like there was a couple actors we called to get on the podcast this week. I, I'm tell, I'm gonna tell you this live, and you don't you don't know it. Actually, what I'm about <laughs> to say. But there, there are a couple agents that said to me, man, like, hey, I think you fucked yourself by hanging out with this, those Black Rifle Coffee guys. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I'm sorry. And they were like, yeah, man, I, I, I think you, you've made your bed with them. And I was like, how so? Like, just entertain me on that. And they were like, whoa. You know, with the state of politics and the country and all this other shit. And I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with making movies or podcasts or anything? And I'm like... I, I'm dead serious. And like, that's, there was a couple of people that we bizarre. wanted to get on the show that we couldn't get. And, uh, it was crazy. And I'm like, well, these are my best friends. So like, I don't, <laughs> I don't really give a fuck what you want to do. And I, you know, oh, of course, but great. If you don't want to be on a, uh, on a show with 2.2 million listeners, I don't, I can't, I don't fuck. Well, it's care. one of these things. It's just like, no, what matter what your worldview is. I think, I think it was Michael Jordan who had a pretty good answer when people nailed him about that. He's like, Republicans buy shoes too. Yes. Yes, and it's just like you know, like not everything is instructive, <laughs> you know, that, not that, every, like, or didactic. When you're going to see a movie, I don't want to know who you voted for. Like, right, I, I don't want to. I don't. I don't care. And like today, when you see people like Seth MacFarlane or uh, Melissa Milano and all this shit, constantly, every Judd, time, Judd Apatow. No, mm. yeah, Judd Apatow can Jesus eat Christ. a fucking bag of dicks, you piece <laughs> of shit. Yeah, wow. it's, it's, that's Judd Apatow went after one of my friends last week. So he can on Twitter, on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't Twitter. know that. And he went after a fucking noble dude too, mm. Marty Scovlin. He's a writer for Havoc Journal. He's yeah. written a number of books. Mm. He was a host on the Discovery Channel show uh, uh, about uh, John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Like, and literally was just stating a a fact, not voicing his opinion. And Judd Apatow found it. Somehow. Went after him. Yeah. And like all his little fucking cronies, you know, are lighting. Marty up, but they didn't realize, you know, we fight back. Yeah. The drinking bros are tougher than Judd Apatow's <laughs> little fucking, you know, liberal friends. Right, so right. it's like, mm. yeah, now you're, when you're pissing off this country's fucking military and sheriffs and police and first responders, like we're, a, we're a lot tougher than, than the kids that owe $110,000 to UC Davis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I, cause me personally, like for, for movies and shit with like Judd and those guys, like I didn't know what Judd Apatow's political affiliation well i had no fucking idea mm. and but i and i liked it before you know before social media because then there was mystery you were going to see things you didn't know about people's personal lives and all of that shit and i wish there was more of that but it's it's only gotten worse yeah but it's it, but what's annoying mm. too though is every you see all these these interviews too when they get on the tonight show or mm. the, the nighttime shows and stuff like that it's like they all think this is my stage now. I'm going to tell this you is my platform, my, my opinion. And it's like, dude, we wanted to hear about the special effects in the new X-Men. Not, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, okay. and the question is, <laughs> yeah. What are you there to discuss? And it's ultimately, I think it's the quality of the work and the art that matters. Yes. It's like, you know, if I was really upset about, I mean, I love, I love a lot of composers. I love Wagner. If I got focused on some of the hateful crap that he wrote, I would never be able to listen to the music. Right, you, right. Have to, you have to separate the art and the artist as yes. one thing. And also, like it, another one I'll, I'll quote, it comes back to Oscar Wilde. It's like, there is no immoral or moral book. A book is either well-written or badly written. Right. It's like you don't look for morality in a piece of, of art or a piece of work. That's not the, the proper structure for it. You know, that's not the proper function. Yeah. You know, it's um, like, like with you, I, I have no idea. Like your social media is always, you're always just a fun, cool guy. You're talking about I the stuff you're in. I have no idea who you voted for. Yeah. And I, I, like to me as an actor, like, oh, great. I, I can believe you in more shit. 
because I don't know. We're different because we run a fucking podcast and shit, and we talk about our lives every day. Oh, but, sure, uh, sure. Uh, but well, and again, what, I, that's how I feel about it. You want to reach the broad audience, yes, you know, like broadest like, audience you could possibly. People aren't interested in me because of my political views. That's not why I'm here. It's like, it's, uh, and also just in a very, in a very um, kind of practical sort of way, I feel that. To, you know, for, for particularly for working actors who are very vulnerable, we're not like writers or directors who are creating your own work. It's like, why hand your opponents or anybody a cudgel to club you with? Yeah. Why bring it out? I, yeah. I, I you know, I, it's I like wholeheartedly. I mean, agree. you've and I, I admire. You know, no matter we see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. I'm sure we don't on others, but it's just like I admire you on how outspoken you are on a lot of these issues because honestly, I feel like a little bit of a coward. Like you. Even wanting to say something encouraging in the context of a lot of the big debates right now is like, wh who's going to be? I don't. Why do I want to get the microscope on me on Twitter today? Do I want to get the magnifying glass burning me like a little ant? Right, right, you right. know, I don't. Right. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about art and music and 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 literature and life. You know, I, I just see both sides <laughs> to every issue, and mm. and again, like uh, we took a lot of shit for and me personally. We had a Michael Rappaport on, oh. um, on the show, and he goes after Trump every single day. Sure. Uh, and I lost, I think on Twitter alone, maybe five or 6,000 followers uh, from wow. that show. And people wow. were like, how the fuck could you have him on your show and talk to him or whatever? And I, and I well, same thing. I was like, again, I don't care who anybody voted for. Just be an interesting, cool dude. He came on the show. It was great. Didn't talk about politics. Didn't, didn't well, get and this anything. is, you know, again, worldviews are separate. I, Part of what makes this so personal is I come from a blacklisted family, you know, like even if I completely disagree with your politics, I don't think it's OK for people to say you no longer get to work because I don't like what you believe. Right. That is messed up. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that is not. And that is like this. Country. A lot of people paid for that when my when my grandfather died. I mean, he'd been a book critic for 35 years. And like even though he came out of the blacklist in 56, he couldn't write under his own name for eight years. His career never fully got back, and he lived another 40 years. Like, so a lot of people were cut Shit. down at their prime for living, their, just, just for refusing to throw other people under the bus. And after he died, we found all of his political books hidden behind a false bookshelf in the basement. At, like in the late 50s, really? he moved in all of his stuff behind another set of books because, I mean, he had Huac guys coming to the house and talking to the kids. I mean, and, like, and he's just like, you know, Mr. Merlin, it's really too bad. If, if, if you had actually been a communist and you could name some names, you'd really help us out. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm a union organizer. We, we don't, like his thing for the writers goes like, we only judge writers based on their work. We're not going to look at their politics. Right. And that was different because the Screen Actors Guild did collaborate. They did hand over names. Oh, right? yeah. So yeah, it, var yeah. it varied union yeah. by union. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, so that's, that's just on the edge of living memory for a lot of us. You know, I, I, you know? Me personally, I hate the unions. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think unions fuck all this shit up, uh, especially with like teachers unions. Like mm. if you get tenure, What's the look? There's been some good teachers and some crappy teachers, and it's like, so great. You gave a crappy teacher tenure, and then they're fucking there forever, and you can't fire them. And you know, a, uh, yeah. Screen Actors Guild fucked themselves, in my opinion, when uh, when the writers' strike happened. They merged with AFTRA, and it oh, it was I, was it I no, voted against it. Everybody I know voted against that merger. No it was residuals. Such a, yeah. No, I mean they took away everything, and it was just like God, it. Unions fuck everything, I think. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, there's some, probably some union workers at home. Going, no, it's fuck you. Well, it's, you know, it's like it very. I think it varies by industry, and it like it does. a lot of it them. A lot of them have industry, a lot yes. of them have a specific historic function that may or may not. They may. Uh, I tend to think a lot of the time they do. You know, even though I'm a member of two, and they drive me crazy, it's like I'm still better than not having them. But at the same time, often you have to assess: Are you out for the workers' interest or for the union interest? And it's not always the same, you know, sure. it's like, it's, uh, but it's ambiguous. It's like, look, and I have this debate with people, union, union people voted for Trump, right? So it's not, it's not a linear left, right thing, you know, right. like, like t many unions, entertainment unions nationally, like it's, it's not, union workers aren't necessarily who people think of them as, you know, yeah. it's like, it's much more, you know, hetero, heterogeneous than, than people realize. Yeah. Well, let's, let's pivot yeah. and switch gears. Sure. If, if you were, we had this debate on another show, if uh, not a debate, but a wish list, so to speak, if you could play any, any mm. person in a biopic, who would it be? Oh, in a biopic. Yeah. God, you know, it's like, I think it'll show you how out of step I am. The one, the, the no, Jared, Jared. Oh, well, I want to hear this one. What? You, it's not out of step. Blink-182. He wants to play the lead singer of Blink-182. <laughs> no, I want to play Mark. I don't want to play Oh, Tom. that's right. He wants to play Mark Hoppus. Yeah. Yeah. From, from Blink-182. Uh, well, I, I would buy a ticket. Why not? Yes. <laughs> Come on. I have a supporter. <laughs> I have one supporter. 
Um, you, I, I tend to be fascinated by the, the, some of the more esoteric historical figures. Like the one-man show, the, the story I really want to tell is Brother Theodore. I don't know if you remember him, Brother Theodore no. Gottlieb. He was, what people remember from him, from, he, was, um, he was on Letterman 18 times in the 80s and 90s, and he would just get on there and he would just insult him. Like he was be, like the rudest, most hostile guest you would ever see on late-night television. He was brilliant. Um, but it was just, an act, or, or it was, was him? well. That's the question. Was it, like, it was, was it like Andy Kaufman. He was one of these people, one of these unique people. He he was a Holocaust survivor. He fled into Switzerland, lost his whole family, and he survived as a chess hustler throughout the World War II in Switzerland. Came to the New chess? York a chess hustler, <laughs> and then and then he came to the New York, survived doing that, and basically he got up with his horrendous, gut wrenching experiences about the Holocaust, and would do these bleak, hopeless, existential diatribes, and people would laugh. And basically his whole thing was called, he called it stand-up tragedy. And he would just get up there wow. and just do, I mean, he, he would tell this like 45-minute monologue about his mother and father cooking dogs into oil and selling it as, you know, canis oleo, oil of dog, and making the, you know, this, whole, this whole story about selling quack medicine to people. And it was the whole story of the Holocaust, but in some, writ large in some demented metaphor about a family <laughs> eating itself alive. And it's just like, and you can hear recordings from the face, it's like, Morally, you see, but this maybe this speaks to why I'm not a gigantic celebrity now. It's like that kind of figure is appealing to me. But here's the thing: you I, know. you're you're consistent. <laughs> you're the most interesting actor I've ever met. Oh, um, bless you. Uh, well read, well versed, and like you know things that I fucking have no goddamn idea about. <laughs> but some taking a story like this and telling it would probably be one of the most fascinating movies. Ever. Gilles de Ray, there's another one. Gilles de Ray was a, a, a com comrade of Joan of Arc. He was a great uh, French national hero in the, in the war with the English at the time. And ultimately, he was put up for trial for torturing and satanic diabolical rites, torturing and having sex with over 100 and, 100 and 150 kids, Ugh, choir God. boys. No, this is a brutal story. And now, and it was a huge trial, and it brought all of France. And now it's debated whether or not it was all a frame frame job and it was like competing interests like so some i don't know perhaps it's the horror audience some of these like long-term unsolved semi-satanic yeah. diabolical yeah, crime yeah, yeah. stories yeah. you gravitate towards cool. well you know like joan of you know it's like you think about um you know the devils by ken russell someone you know boy i'd love to see you make a movie like that you yeah. know it's just you know so something yeah something truly edgy but um, I am so delighted to be here with, with two of my favorite men on the planet. I miss yeah. the other drinking bros. I, please send them my love. I mean, well, my well, goodness. Thank I, you for being here. We're at the point of the show where we get to the drinking bro of the week. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, the drinking bro of the week is, is somebody that has inspired you, has influenced you uh, along the way towards either the person mm. uh, that you are now or as an actor. Mm. Um, but you can, you can give that to anyone you, you like. Drinking bro of the week. Uh, Google him. Look up a, a YouTube interview. His name was Quentin Crisp. He was my mentor in New York in the 1990s. He lived from 1908 to 1999, and he came out as an openly gay, effeminate man in London in 1930, when it was a crime, and was beaten for uh, almost every day for years. He was followed. He was ostracized by the gay community. He was arrested. He was 60 years old when they finally decriminalized homosexuality, but he never compromised who he was. He, he wanted to show people that people like him existed. And it was like the most gentle sort of protest. It wasn't, he, he didn't approve of marches. He didn't approve of the protest movement. He wanted to be who he was, and then the rest of the world would come to him. So his book, and it was a movie, actually, it was a real breakout role for John Hurt as a young man. It's called The Naked Silver Servant. But it's just, being gay aside, it is one of the most beautiful stories of being an outsider in a hostile world and finding your way. And it's like, he had this wonderful line. He says, um, in an expanding universe, time is on the side of the outcast. People who used to live in the suburbs of human contempt will find that without changing their address, they eventually live in the metropolis. But... In my case, it took a really long time. I you know, it's just like you know, <laughs> right. the, the way you speak and how eloquent you are. I, I have a new person that I'd like to read at my funeral. If you could give my eulogy now at my funeral, it would, I, I'm, I would, I'm in. I'm gonna call Jesse. Well, you'll you. see my my wife on Tuesday. My beloved sister. Yes, uh, you'll see her on Tuesday. I'm gonna tell Wonderful. her like, hey, you're giving the eulogy now. Um, uh, God, you're one of my favorite people on this yes. planet. You're, oh, you're one likewise. of my favorite actors. And uh, I, look, I wish you continued success Thank and, you, and broader success uh, with, a, with a massive, massive audience. Because if, if there is a guy out there that d truly deserves it, it is you. 
Uh, and thank you for doing the show today, buddy. I love you guys. I'm dying to work with you again. I'm so excited to be here and to meet, even from a distance, your amazing audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, jessemerlin.com. I'm at jessemerlin on Twitter. and, uh, and uh, Instagram? I'm, uh, no, I'm a little too old timey for that. I'll, I'll get there eventually. So just just uh, <laughs> just uh, Twitter and my dot com, and uh, and would love to hear from you. And, and thank you for listening. Yes, hit up uh, Jesse Merlin on Twitter. That's uh, not I E. That's J E S S E M E R L I N. Uh, truly one of the most fascinating people on the planet. Thank you again uh, for Jesse Merlin, Jared Taylor. I'm Ross Patterson. Drinking Bros. Would like to say good night to everyone. Bye.